the resurrection day and just pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to be focused on the fact that you came to earth, you were born, you went to the cross, you died, you went to the grave, you were buried, but today we look at that time after that grave and after your soul Uh, went into the lower parts of the earth and was resurrected, and we call it Resurrection Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, amazingly, we just finished chapter 11, and I thought, well, I'll do what they call an Easter message, and then come to find out John chapter 12 talks about Mary taking the, um, I need to go ahead and turn on this mic too, Mary taking the uh, spikenard and anointing Jesus' body for burial. So it's right there. I mean, it's, it's right in here in John chapter 12, and it is an amazing study. I have, I have really enjoyed looking at it. But I want you to hold your place in John 12 and also turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So it's right after the book of uh, Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, I studied and taught in the Bible Institute the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the first books I taught. And um, really enjoyed it, but it's, it's from the view of under the sun, and so it's, a, it's an earthly view of things, but in Ecclesiastes 7, I, I want you to um, remember that the story is that, you know, Mary took the um, spike nerd, the ointment, and put it on Jesus' head, or on his feet, I should say, and then um, it's to anoint his body for burial, so Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. And again, it's, uh, you know, the Bible says, you're, you know, Ecclesiastes, you're born into trouble, uh, but the day of one's death, when you think about it, if you're saved, you're going to die and spend eternity in heaven. So the day of one's death is, is better than the day of one's birth. Now, I know we're not looking forward to it. I'm not looking for a slow, painful death. I want mine to be quick. I, I'm just telling you, that's just, just the way I am. But Ecclesiastes 7.1, now go over to John chapter 12. Let's read the story. We're going to read uh, probably um, eight verses. Uh, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, so it gives you the context. A lot of people look at John and they think, well, we're halfway through his life. No, we're, we're, we're right before the end, six days before the Passover. Came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, which he raised from the dead. No doubt about it, he was dead and he raised the dead. Then there they made a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, 
Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing. Hath she kept this? For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. And you can, um, you can look at um, Judas Iscariot then shortly thereafter uh, leaves their, their presence. But looking at these verses, it's six days, go back to verse 1. Six days after the Passover, they came to Bethany. You have the three figures, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. When you consider the implications of the story, it's like the book of Exodus. In looking at the book of Exodus, uh, you've got Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And I want to look at the book of Exodus. So first of all, Martha's serving. Let's let's look at that. Uh, Verse 2, and Martha served. Uh, Who's sitting and fellowshipping at the table? That's Lazarus. And then who brings the pound of ointment, that spikenard, very costly and anoints the feet of Jesus, that's, that's Mary. So you have those three figures that I want you to go back to the book of Exodus, and we'll start in uh, Exodus chapter 7, and we'll consider the picture of Martha back here. In Exodus chapter 7, you've got several times through here where it says, let my people go. And in Exodus chapter 7, Exodus chapter 5, Exodus chapter 8, you have three instances where uh, he, he says in many instances, let my people go, but he talks about service, holding a feast or fellowshipping, and then sacrificing. So let's look at the application. Look at Exodus seven sixteen. What's the Bible say? Exodus seven sixteen. the Bible says, And the Lord shall say unto him, The Lord God of Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness, and behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. So he says, Let my people go, so they can go serve. The first example there is Martha. What is she doing? She's serving the tables. Okay. Look at the next one. Look at Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. Who's at the table? Lazarus is at the table. Exodus chapter 5, look at verse 1. And afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. What's what Lazarus is doing? Now let's look at Mary. Look at Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8, look at verse 27. What's the Bible say there? The Bible says, We will go three days' journey in the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as He hath commanded us. So she sacrificed, Mary did, by bringing that spike nerd and and putting it on his feet. Lazarus had a feast with him. He sat there at the table and he fellowshiped with him. Martha was there to serve. So when you look at the Exodus and Pharaoh still has control of the nation of Israel, we are told that God's purpose in bringing that nation out was for those three things, to serve Him, to fellowship with Him, and to sacrifice for Him. That's what you see with Mary and Martha 
and Lazarus. It is the fulfillment in, in, in type and in picture and in reality of what God said in Exodus. He wanted his people out of Egypt and he wanted them into the promised land so that they could fellowship with him, they could serve him, and so that they could sacrifice to him. And you see that in Exodus, and you see it here. Here is God manifest in the flesh. Here He is walking on this earth, and those three things we see happen in this event. Your Bible all fits together like the pieces of a puzzle together. And you see that God finally got in this little picture, this little sample of what He told He wanted the nation of Israel to do. They stopped fellowshipping, they stopped serving, they stopped sacrificing, And yet, what we see when Jesus is on this earth, he brings it all back together. Going back to John chapter 12, and it talks about in verse 2, there they made a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven five that long hair is given to the woman as, as a glory to her? You wonder why some people today are, are, are you, know, you know, buzz cutting. I mean, all the way down. I mean, as short as mine right here. Some women cut their hair all the way down. Why do they do that? Well, they don't want to. It's actually in rebellion. Your hair, ladies, is given to you for a covering, and it is your glory. So what do we have here? We have Mary bowing down before Jesus and serving Him and taking her glory to clean off His feet. To, to just, and, she's, and she's wiping her tears off. I mean, it's an amazing story you have here, but she's using her glory to do that. Listen, it's all, again, it all fits together. It's in there for a reason. Look at verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? When, you know, he sounds spiritual, right? I mean, look, let's just do it for Jesus. You know, there's a lot of things done in Jesus' name that Jesus isn't anywhere near it. A lot of religion does that. Oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to praise him this way. We're going to serve him this way. His service is very much what he depends upon and what he expects in the Bible. He does not want you to go out your own way and say, hey, I'm going to come up with a new way. There's, you know, when uh, Joseph Smith said all the religions were bad and therefore he had to come up with Mormonism, a, a New Testament and a new gospel. Listen, that is not what God said. God said, if anybody, if any angel came and preached unto you another gospel, let him be accursed. And it was an angel that he was talking about. And an angel supposedly came to Joseph Smith. That's false religion. God wants you to go to the Bible and serve him in the way and in the method that he determines he wants your service. We see it here. They're fellowshipping together. She's, she's got tears running down her face. I, I'll tell you, you look at uh, three times. Let me see, I, I, I wrote it down. Three times where you have... Um, Mary in there. I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it right now. We'll come back to it. But look at verse um, six. He said, "This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but he had the bag. He was a thief. He bare was put in there." Verse seven. Then said Jesus, "Let her alone. Against the day of my bearing, hath she kept this?" 
For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Listen, the Lord wasn't for socialism. In fact, in in Zephaniah chapter 3, you know what the Bible says about the kingdom? The Bible says that there will be poor in the kingdom to come. Zephaniah 3 verse 12, you want to jot it down and look it up yourself. But he says, the poor you will have always with you. You can give everything you've got to take care of the poor, and most of the time you're just going to put a band-aid on. You know what you can't always do? You can't always serve Jesus. You only have one lifetime to serve Him. Do I believe that the church should take care of people? Sure we should. But you need to have a lot of wisdom on how you do it. I've given money to people and watched them turn right around and buy a pack of cigarettes. You know, and, I, and I'm aghast. Hey, Brother Doug, they recognize me from the mission. Can I have, you know, 50 cents? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then they turn around and they go, can I have a pack of cigarettes? Back then, you could actually get some cigarettes for 50 cents. It wasn't, you know, 50 cent per cigarette now. I don't know what it is, but I mean, can you imagine rolling up a dollar bill? and That's about what it is now. But he says, ye, me ye have not always. You know, in Luke chapter uh, 18... Go ahead and turn there. Let me show you something that's so amazing about this story. In Luke chapter 18, verse 31, look at what the Bible says. It says, Then then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day shall rise again. That's the death, burial, and resurrection in Luke 18, verses 31 through 33. Look at verse 34. And they, that's the twelve, understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. They did not understand. And here you have Mary, a young lady coming with this this ointment that was he now what did Judas say you could sell it for 300 pence you know what that was that's a year's wages remember he paid he paid the people a penny you know for the work that they did for a day's work and some 11th hour that, that's all irrelevant the point is it, it, it was a pence was a day's wages 300 days wages and she took that and she, and she started to just white, you know, put that on there, and the, and, and the whole odor spread through the whole place, and, and, and it was a magnificent thing. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4 while I'm on that subject, and look, let's look at what the Bible says about that odor and about uh, giving to the Lord in Philippians chapter 4. Just need to find the verse. I don't see it. Philippians chapter 4, look at uh, verse 18. He says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which we, ye, were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing. So what they do, they send something so Paul's needs could be taken care of, and he, and he calls it a sweet smell, a sacrifice, it's acceptable, well-pleasing to God. That is what you see back here. She is giving an offering. You too can do that. You can give to the Lord's work. You can give to missions. We support all those missionaries on that back wall, thousands of dollars a month. 
And we try to take that money and we put it out there so that they too can, can, so that we can reach around the world and they can be the instruments for that to be done. Philippians chapter 4 says your offering unto the Lord is that same type of sweet smell. You can serve Him through what you give, for how you sacrifice. Listen, and it's not just money. Do you know what I treasure as much as I treasure money around here? Is your time. Your time. We have people that, that, that volunteer for junior church. We have people that volunteer you know, for nursery. We have people that volunteer for several things around here. Uh, cutting the grass. I told Peter, boy, the, the, the grounds look good. I mean, when you cut those weeds down really low, it looks like grass. But I mean, you know, and, and, and we've, got that, we've got that going on, and, and, and that's part of your sweet-smelling sacrifice unto the Lord. It's not just how much you put in the plate. In fact, you can, you can do things out of the wrong heart. You can do things to be seen. If you, if you sacrifice your time unto the Lord's work, you know, uh, and, and nobody recognizes it, what's that make you feel like? Oh, I'm not going to do that again. Nobody even noticed. And listen... I try to notice. I, you know, I, I have to be reminded every now and then, although the way this place looks up here and the decorations and all that, it, I, I'm getting better at it. I can just tell. I don't have to be reminded every time. But I appreciate the sacrifice of people coming up here and taking care of the way things look around here. It's important. Listen, if we didn't have those bathrooms clean, after a while, some of you would be saying, hey, I need, to, I need to talk to the pastor. I'd say, hey, grab a brush. Just kidding, just kidding. We have people that clean the place, and, and listen, I appreciate them keeping it clean. Now, let's look at some of the other um, stories, and, and there's actually two instances where Jesus is anointed with this spike nerve. One is earlier in, in his ministry, and then this one is six days before Passover, meaning we're at the very end. She's anointing his body for burial. The apostles don't even understand the death, burial, and resurrection according to Luke 18, verse 34. And the Bible says it was hid from them. That's why you better rightly divide your Bible because the Bible says if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And it says it was hid from them in verse 34, but they weren't lost. you got to rightly divide the Bible. You can't take that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and retro retroactively apply that truth back there to that Luke 18 passage or you make the apostles lost. No, today, Paul wrote, in this age, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, whom the God of this world hath blinded them. That's why it's law. That's why it's hid. Now go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse 6, and let's look at a, um, one of the synoptic gospels and see what it says about this story again. Matthew 26, look at verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, so you see the, the time frame, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, very precious ointment, poured it on his head as he sat at meat. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? Notice it's, it, it's, it's all, it isn't just Judas Iscariot. He's probably the ringleader, according to what we, we read in John. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. 
For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for memorial of her. Can you imagine um, a memorial for her talking about what she did even 2,000 years later we're talking about it? Listen, that's what service to the Lord's all about. To make something that matters, it's long-lasting, it's eternal. When you talk to people about Jesus, maybe you just plant the seed. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe you're just watering. I was at, a, at an event um, with uh, Nikki Freed, who's the uh, agricult- commissioner of agriculture. And somebody gave me a microphone outside because they, you know, they were outside and preaching. And so I started preaching, and one of the other candidates for uh, the Democratic candidate for um, Congress walked out, and I'm just preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. Christ died for your sins. He shed his blood. He became sin for you. And the last words you'll hear, and this is one of the last things I said, I said, you'll hear, depart from me a curse for the, you know, um, Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, but you'll end up going there if you reject Jesus. And she turned around and she looked right at me. She heard me. You know what I did? I planted, I planted some seed. I watered it. I wasn't mean. I wasn't angry. I wasn't ugly. All I did was gave the gospel out and I, and I preached the scripture and gave the scripture out. Why? Because it's so important. Now what I want you to see from this story, the second time it's told here, it goes through there and it says um, that that alabaster box is broken. It was poured on her head. Now, some say this is two different instances. I, you know, I, it's tough. Mary's not given by name here. But the, the story itself, you know, the poor mention, uh, it's all the apostles now speaking up, not just Judas Iscariot. So let's make this application. Judas Iscariot infected all the other apostles. Got them all thinking the same way, all complaining the same way. You know what griping will do? Griping will do that. Listen, it's easy to gripe about everything. It's easy to look around and complain. Listen, I, 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 tell, I, I tell people all the time, listen, think of, they tell you to do this. Think of something positive to say before you try to correct. You're talking to your children. You know what you ought to say? Try to commend them before correcting them. Try to inspire them before having to place a rebuke there. And sometimes you can't do it because they won't listen, but most of the time you can. I'm just responding to some, some action I see out there, so I'm messing with somebody and you guys don't know anything about it. Mark chapter 14, look over there. Only Bill figures that out, but I usually call him out by name. Look at Mark chapter 14. Mark 14, look at verse 3. The story again. And again, you know, when you're, when you're looking at Matthew 26, again, some people say that's, that's a whole different story. It's hard. To, I called a friend of mine up that I just appreciate very much. And he said, well, you know, I go back and forth on it. Sometimes I think it's the same story. Sometimes I think it's two different events and two different Marys and one Mary's unnamed. And I said, wow, you were a big help. And he was because he confirmed that my confusion was good. I mean, look, I can't tell you everything. I can make applications. So let's look at uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 3. 
And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box, poured it on his head. Notice, remember, Mary's at his feet. Mary is bowing down at his feet, taking care of this thing. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. Now, you remember Judas Iscariot's the one that said that. And had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Listen, let me tell you something. You need to be careful how you handle people that serve the Lord a little bit differently than you. I'm not telling you, you know, we're going to paint the whole place black and, you know, have a band up here and we're going to, we're going to change and, you know, we're going to try to reach the youth with, with that. Listen, it isn't about just trying to reach everybody with every means possible. You need to try to reach them with the gospel. You need to tell them about Jesus who died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again. And by trusting in Him, you can have that relationship that only comes from knowing Him as your Savior. And, and it isn't just any way we do it. Listen, I talk to people all the time. I can offend everybody. Or I can do it in the way that I would want it done with me and I would want them to come to me and tell me, listen, I don't want somebody to come to me and get in my face and say, you're going to hell. But there are people out there that try that. I don't, want people to, I don't want people to come up and get in my face. I, first of all, I don't want you in my face. I want you to respect the fact that I'm a human being. Therefore, I respect other people's space. Don't, don't, just, just I'm saying, use some wisdom. Pray about it. Find out if God can get to tenderize your heart so that you're, you yourself are not offensive. And by the way, you know the gospel offends people. That's okay. It's Jesus... Or nothing. It's heaven or hell. It's accept the gospel, reject the gospel. But I don't need to be offensive. In other words, if the gospel offends somebody, that's between them and God. But if me and my personality and my approach offends people, just because I don't choose to be non-offensive in it, that's my problem. That's my fault. You say, well, oh, I heard you, and they were offended at what you said. Okay, was it the gospel, or was it my demeanor? Was it the gospel, or was it the way that I said what I... If, if, if it was me, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. I'll, I'll fail again and again and again. But you continue to try to approve. Go back to the story there in chapter 14 of Mark. They murmured against her. Imagine that. Somebody trying to serve the Lord and people are murmuring. Remember they murmured against Moses too in Exodus 15. Bad things came from that. Verse 6, and Jesus said, let her alone. That's pretty good. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye, whensoever ye, will, ye may do them good, but me... Ye have not always. That's the point. First of all, don't criticize everybody for everything. I, I told you, I called up churches, and I'd say, well, tell me about your church. I'm going out west, and you know the guy was trying to keep it succinct. He says, we're against everything. I was like, gosh, we're against everything. 
That's a terrible way to look at life. I'm not against everything. Some people, people look at the Chamber of Commerce, they say, well, you shouldn't be involved with the Chamber. Nobody's telling me that, but you shouldn't be involved with the Chamber because it's businesses. And Wait a minute. I'd like to make sure that our city doesn't look at socialism and say, hey, we need to become, we need to take more money from businesses in order to uh, redistribute the wealth. You know, you can affect that on a local level and a county level and on a state level. God help the federal level. I wish we could affect them better. Look at what she says, in, look at what he says in verse 8, though. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial for her. You know, sometimes we say, well, that's the least I can do. That's not what we need. She did what she could. Do you know all of you can't do what somebody else can do in this church? But you know what you can do? What you can do. Somebody says, well, I can't do much. Can you pray? Do what you can do. Can you encourage others? Do what you can do. Can you be a friend to somebody else that's in need of a friendship? You can do what you can do. Now, you see, I brought it down to that level because it's a basic level. And there are more things and more things. Do what you can do. Get involved in however God leads you to get involved in. But the Bible says, as a memorial to her, she hath done what she could. Some people say, well, you could do more with a better plan. Maybe not. She came up and she anointed the body. That was the plan that she had. She didn't necessarily understand she was anointing the body for his burial. They say, well, you, you, you notice others too much. And by the way, sometimes we do. Sometimes we get so involved in other people's business, we watch them more than we are concerned about what we ourselves are doing. We need, to quit mur- we need to quit worrying about murmurs or quit involving ourselves with them. You got somebody at work that's murmuring all the time, they're dangerous to you. Well, what they say is right, doesn't matter. If you spend all your time complaining instead of doing your job, then you're stealing from your employer. And what you need to do, people murmur, don't give them an ear. If you don't give them an ear, you know what happens? Or, you, or let's say somebody comes up and tells you something about somebody else. You know what you say? Hey, let me get them on the phone right now, and we'll, and, and we'll go ahead and talk about them. You know what most people do? Oh, no, 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 no. I was just wanting you to pray for them. Boy, there have been a lot of prayer requests that have been gossip, I can tell you that. Listen, you do things for the Lord more Because there's a deeper appreciation for your relationship. If you're not doing things for the Lord, if you're not focused on the Lord on a daily, daily basis, too much is given, much is required, maybe you think, maybe you think He hasn't done that much for you. Do you know if He saved your soul? He's done eternal things for you that you could not do for yourself. 
Keep that in mind when you're thinking about how much you owe the Lord or how much you ought to be appreciative or how much you ought to show your appreciation. You can show your appreciation in many ways. One way, one way is talking to Him. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Talk to Him every day. Talk to Him when you're driving, when you're driving down the road. You ought, you, ought to have an, you ought to have a habit of praying. You know how many times I know for a fact that God has protected us on the road, I mean, we've had blowout after blowout after blowout. You know, the last one I told the story of is when those two tractor trailers jackknifed in front of us. And we've got that track, that trailer behind us full of tons of books. And I slammed on the brakes. That's it. We're done. So I just, I veer over to the left thinking that's the only opening there is. And that opening was closing really fast. And all of a sudden they both stopped on a dime. Both of them stopped at the same time. Went right around him, and then there was that dude skipping across the highway. The reason he had those two trucks jackknife in the first place, he's right in front of me. And I can't stop. I can't do anything. I lay on the horn. He skips one more time. I turn the wheel ever, you know, because i got to get past the trucks. And I turn the wheel just enough. I don't know. Missed him by a foot. Missed him by an inch. I don't know. All I know is we just kept going down the road, and I, 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 I for the life of me, I, I would just praise God. I, I was just like, Judy, do you realize what happened? You know what? I had somebody, it's in the story, I wrote it for the paper. Somebody prayed for me, Jonathan Judy, associate pastor up there in, in, in Knoxville, 20 minutes before, maybe 15 minutes before we got to that situation right there, he prayed that God would take care of us and watch over us. Does prayer work? Oh, it may just happenstance. I don't know. I literally, if you can imagine two tractor trailers like this, and then all of a sudden you see the front of them like this. It's a pretty wild sight, isn't it, hon? She said, don't call me again today, buddy. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's just amazing. So she hath done what she could. All I ask you today is do what you can. Do what you can. Do you know that God does not demand of you more than you are able to handle, but will with that uh, expectation from him give you the power to be able to do what he asks you to do? Just like a temptation, there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Every temptation that comes in your life or my life, He gives us a way to escape. Everything He asks you to do, He enables you to do it. Now think about that. If He enables you to do it, why should we take the glory for it? We shouldn't. We should always give God the glory for the things that He does. Here's what I want and what I was looking for. Remember Mary here in, in John chapter 12. Go back to John chapter 12. Three times we find Mary bowing down to Jesus. Here's one of them here. Look at verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spike and very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus. You think he, she was on his knees? She, on her knees? She was on her knees being a servant and worshiping him. 
Look at, uh, look at chapter 11. Chapter 11, remember Lazarus has died, and you have Mary who is told by her sister Martha that he's asking for you, and she comes running to him in verse 32 of John 11. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So the second thing you see is there she is praying on her knees before Jesus. Look at another one. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we have the story of Lazarus. Mary, Martha, in Luke chapter 10, look at verse 39. The Bible says, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. She sat at Jesus' feet and listened to Him teach the word. So you've got her in Luke 10, she hears the word, she, and she's, she's praying at His feet. I mean, she's, she's listening uh, to him teach. John 11, she's praying. John 12, she's worshiping at his feet. Three times you're introduced to Mary there. What an amazing character in the Bible. When you look at Mary and Martha and Lazarus, what a story, what a picture of the, of the pre-tribulation rapture actually. You study John chapter 11, you'll see that picture in there. But what I want to leave you with is this. She did what she could. She did what she could. I know a lot of people that say, well, I don't have all the talents that somebody else has. Do you do what you can? And again, I go back to that one thing. That one thing is prayer. Everybody in here can pray. We've seen answered prayer. We've seen people that really need prayer. We've watched God work out some miraculous things. And God always answers prayer. I told you that. He always, always, always answers your prayer. Always. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, and I want to show you in closing what this answer to prayer is. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful. Now, what does that mean? Don't be full of care. Be careful for nothing. Do not be worried. Do not be overly concerned. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know why we always thank God at the beginning of our prayers? That verse right there says, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then in verse 7, the Bible says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what's the answer to prayer? It's peace. Peace. So let's say you pray about something, and you don't get it. Did he give you what you didn't ask for? Did he give you peace? You see, sometimes we say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. He did answer your prayer. Did you receive it? You see, the only reason you don't receive peace is because we are so focused on what's in it for me. 
How do I, you know, in other words, I'm praying for this thing, even healing. I'm praying for this healing. God didn't answer my prayer. You're, you're praying wrong. Be careful for nothing. Don't get all concerned about how it's going to turn out. Be careful for nothing. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Do you know what this world wishes it had? Oh, yeah, they talk about peace, but not the peace like, you know, world peace or Putin leaves, you know, Ukraine or, you know, and, and, and just stops. That's not going to bring peace anyway. You got Korea. You got Iran. The world's never really known peace. But you know that an individual can know peace? And that's what prayer is all about. When I learn that truth and I realize that, look, that is what it's all about, I live a life that's pretty peaceful. I pray. I leave it up to God. Let's say somebody gets snarly with me. I pray for them. Say, Lord, I just put it in your hands. I get the peace. But, you know, bitterness talks about that root of bitterness springing up. It's a root and it springs up and, boy, it destroys you and everybody around you. You know what you're missing there? The peace. You don't have the peace because you got the root of bitterness. And it's our choice. So why not do what you can do? I'm, giving, I'm telling every single person in here, one thing you can do today is spend more time in prayer than you're accustomed to. Spend one more minute in prayer today than you usually do. Two minutes. Five minutes. Somebody comes to mind, pray for them. I think of Miss Millie, I think of Earl, think of Debbie, think of Peter, think of Larry. I mean, just Al, all these you know, people that we, 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 we say these prayer requests for. Take the time out today and pray for somebody. Pick one person out today and pray for them. Pray for them. Prayer changes things. And you can make a difference do what you can do because there's nobody in here. If I told you, listen, I want somebody to come out here and cut the grass every week. Some of you'd say, well, we'll have a couple of corpses around here because not everybody can do it. I'm not asking you to do that. I want somebody to come in here and vacuum this whole... Pl- I want you to come in here and clean all this popcorn off this ceiling and then retexture it after you move all the pews. And some of you'd look at me and go, you're insane. And you'd be right. Because we're going to hire somebody to do that. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm saying, do what you can do. She did what she could do. Pray. Pray. And wish everybody you see today, happy Resurrection Day. Happy Resurrection Day. Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your many blessings. We just ask that you guide, lead, and direct in all things. Lord, you are such a gracious, merciful, wonderful God. We thank you for being who you are. We just ask that you help us to do what we can do. And we can all pray. Help us to pray more. 
Help us to pray fervently. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why not use that power that we have to, to leave this earth and, 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 and to, to actually go in the presence of your throne room and pray? Our prayers can be heard, our prayers are heard, and answers come down, and we just need to recognize the answers. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name and His sake. With the music, just ask God to speak to you. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to focus on the things He'd have you focus on. Do what you can do. Everybody can pray.